0: called the jesse james jesse aka the bizzle oh the bizzle thank you (laughs) the bizzle thank you the bizzle yeah the bizzle all right ladies and gentlemen of the bizzle cast welcome to my podcast that has been a long time coming that i've been building up to with quickies and videos and tons of posts on facebook and social media if you follow me at all in any of these forms or know me you know i absolutely love 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 the uh, witcher books and video games, but especially the books by Andrzej Sapkowski, an absolutely brilliant, all-time great fantasy writer from Poland, um, books that I, while I love and devour fantasy since I was a little kid is my favorite genre, even more than, uh, science fiction and even the science fiction properties I love like star wars and dune. It's the fantasy aspects of them that really attract me. And of course I'm a giant Tolkien fan, but also so many authors that were influenced by Tolkien and the generations following him and have expanded and changed, um, the, the genre so much from Raymond D. Feist, uh, Sort of upbeat, optimistic, um, if still kind of realistic and gritty uh, fantasy, and the Rift War Saga, all the way to the grim, dark, uh, rape and murder uh, uh, genre of George Martin's Game of Thrones and, and the whole sort of what they call grimdark uh, fantasy genre subgenre, um, as well, um, of which I do partake some of. Game of Thrones is going to be a big part of this podcast because of its influence the fact that is not only one, the most-watched show, or one of the most-watched shows, and maybe the most profitable shows of all time, but even people who don't like or watch Lord of the Rings movies, which were insanely successful for what they were, like Game of Thrones, and uh, one of the main topics I'm going to talk about is the legacy of Game of Thrones, and then I think, you know... Uh, things that worked in Game of Thrones are also going to work, at least as well or better, um, in The Witcher, again, based on the books, as well as um, in some ways, the video games which are a part of what's going on um, and some of the things that didn't work, or people found distasteful at the time, or in retrospect like the rape and murder, um amoral immoralism of almost all the characters lack of agency of women and good guys, and and two big casts, political intrigue not great action and so forth. They're all going to be done better or just done in, in The Witcher. Um, and this isn't too casual on, on Game of Thrones because there are things I really like about Game of Thrones and some things I like, like the Starks winning in the end and Khaleesi's turn to evilness uh, and insanity that people were dissatisfied with. I actually liked uh, the last few episodes, even though I went in and out of this series starting uh, sort of after season three. Three or four, I followed closely. I'm a giant Amelia Clark fan. I I believe that you know, in, in talking to people who are hardcore Game of Thrones fans, confirmed that while there were a lot of great characters, including Arya Stark and Sansa Stark, really all the Starks, um, and you know the Lannisters as well, Jamie Lannister, especially a many-time award-winning and huge Bizzle cast favorite, Bizzle favorite, and pop Papa B- B- Bizzle favorite Lena Headey. Um, as Cersei Lannister um And many, many other great actors and characters. It was really Amelia Clark as Daenerys Targaryen, aka Khaleesi, and uh, Tyrion Lannister, um, played by the absolutely divine, all time great, legendary Peter Dinklage, uh, that really held the series together. And in a lot of ways, those two characters are well represented and reflected by some of the main awesome characters in The Witcher. Um, And just to tease it, the difference is there's a lot of. Um, among the main characters Peter Dinklage type characters who have great hearts but are very very flawed have to figure out how to get themselves together and do the right thing um, whereas the Khaleesi uh, characters especially the main character Ciri um, of, of which the you know main pentology starting with Blood of Elves that I call the Ciri pentology or the Ciri saga which um, it, I thought was going to start in season one but they're actually starting with the prequel books in season one which is great because Because it introduces all the main characters, which are not that many, and the small cast is part of what is going to attract people and be so successful in comparison to the just absolutely ginormous, way too bloated and big uh, cast of. Characters in in Game of Thrones, um, but the Seri, who's you know the Ray Luke Skywalker, Paula Trady kind of Messiah character, um, but is way 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 more complicated uh, and three dimensional um, uh, than those characters. But like Ray in particular, has an unbelievably good heart, and despite being way too powerful and way too young, and, and no one even the powerful Witcher and and Witcher's lover, the powerful uh, sort Yennefer try and train her on every level, magic and otherwise, it, it fail at least as much as they succeed, but Siri always finds her way because she just has an unbelievable heart and just wants to help people and save people. She's also the hybrid witcher-sorceress, uh, which had never existed before. We will get to that. But she's a reverse da- Daenerys, uh, you know? She's the Daenerys that people either thought might have happened, where Daenerys start troubled, did some bad things, but then ultimately found her way, or the Daenerys that people expected or wanted and didn't happen. As I've said before, maybe even on this podcast a few minutes ago, I love Amelia Clark and I loved her arc. I love the last few episodes. Of Game of Thrones. If you watch the first season closely, it's clear the arc that everyone is taking, especially the Starks and Daenerys, uh, aka Khaleesi. But Khaleesi, it's clear to me, having watching the first and second season, where she's going. And, and I think it went the way and had to go. I also think you need to uh, be a deep dive fantasy nerd when it comes to dragons, their otherworldly nature, the fact that they're kind of gods and a- ancient. Um, you know, like the Ents or Gandalf in, in Lord of the Rings, and the fact that Khaleesi is a dragon lord it, it puts her above morality in, or outside of normal human morality. Um, and so, she's not just horrible and evil uh, in my in my estimation. Um, but nevertheless, Siri as sort of a mirror of Amelia Clark's Khaleesi goes the other way, in which the more confused and lack of control of her power she gets, the harder she works to try and get it under control so she can help people people she loves, her adoptive dad, Carol; her adoptive mom Yennefer, her adoptive older sister Triss, her crazy uncle slash cousin, the uh, lovably annoying, arrogant, but super loyal and unbelievably musically talented bard, Dandelion. uh He's always around to keep things interesting but also to keep things human with all this magic and metaphysics and stuff. He can sing ballads about the great romance of Carol and Yennefer and music is going to be a huge part of the series, so I wanted to lay out uh, uh, a few of those themes Um, obviously, like I said, the Game of Thrones influence and the aftermath of Game of Thrones um, I think is going to uh, uh, reflect and lead to great positivity in reception, and liking, if not loving, of the series Uh, the musical aspect uh, the smaller cast um, who, again, can be very complicated and make bad decisions and even flirt with amoral or, or immoral decisions but ultimately have good hearts and when it comes to defending Siri, uh, end up doing the right thing just to help her please her and, and you know and and guide her um, also while there's tons of violence it's much more reflective of our society in terms of genocide and pogroms and the political themes murdering of all non-humans mass murders, mass graves Um, genocide, ethnic cleansing of elves, dwarves, changelings, hobbits, but also magic users. And a lot of times, the elves, dwarves, hobbits, and magic users are trying to help the humans, or want to help the humans. But as we see in the trailers, if you read the text, even if you haven't read the books, or played the game, most of the time, the men are the monsters, and the monsters are uh, uh, victims, or at least, you know, um, uh, unwitting, or unwilling, um, Uh, 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 players in a much wider game of while this takes place in the 12-1300s, the beginning of colonization, imperialization, uh, that is reflective of Tolkien's notion of the rise of men at the end of the Third Age, in Lord of the Rings, and the elves leaving, and so forth. There's certainly a reflection of that, uh, the dominance of men, and it is ugly, and while a witcher is technically a monster hunter, Geralt being the main and most famous and most powerful witcher and the main character, uh, the titular character, Geralt the Witcher, Geralt of Rivia, Um, he mostly tries to negotiate with monsters, and he also ends up having to kill humans way more often, because they're either killing monsters that aren't causing problems, or... Aren't just rapist murderers, religious fanatics, or, you know, um, militaries who, who are extremely misguided by their political and religious leaders and so forth. So it's a dark series, but it has a ton of heart. And with Siri as the moral center, there is, there a, 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 you know, a, a, a sheen. A, a sort of, you know, um, outward uh, a, a appearance that looks like Game of Thrones and will be very violent. Um, uh, but the violence, as I will always talk about, as I will talk about, uh, both the sort of sword fights and the big army stuff is already looking better and cooler, as we know from the games and the books uh, in this series and in Game of Thrones, which is constantly being teased these battles and these fights, but they ended up looking not great and not happening that offense. I mean, Magic's going to happen more and look better. Sword fighting's going to happen more and look way better. Uh, Henry Cavill did almost all of his stunts himself with the sword fighting. Lots of long one-takes, so it looks super real. Um, and, of course, big armies going at each other. With usually the good guys losing, but then uh, uh, the good guys then rallying even the small amount of them to try and fight back. Um, and so, again, with the Game of Thrones, both well, the Starks' quote-unquote won in the end, with Tyrion Lannister, it was mostly rape, murder, torture, them on the run, and being threatened and so forth for most of the series. It was almost a deus, ex, a deus ex machina how the Starks and the good guys ended up winning in the very last episode after the bad guys are winning for almost the entire series since the, the first episode where Cersei and... Uh, and J.B. Lannister, brother and sister, are fucking and throw Bran Stark off the top of a cliff because he witnesses the the horrible incest. Um, that's not just disgusting, but it is part of a giant conspiracy, obviously, that you guys all know about, having to do with the son of the king not being the son of the king, but the son of that particular incest, blah 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 blah. And again, while these things happen in The Witcher, that's framed much differently and we see things mostly through the quote-unquote good guys, and the torture happens, but it, like, it, you know, like in the good Marvel movies, or, or especially the good Star Wars movies, it's not that you want the torture in the darkness, but you are waiting for the ass-beating that you know is coming, because Yennefer, Geralt, Siri and so forth are super powerful, and so the bad guys give these long speeches and really hurt them psychologically and physically, but you know the ass-beating is coming, and you know, for better or Worse, a small group of good hearted, if complicated, and sometimes misguided characters who are main characters are trying to save humanity from themselves and it's a bit of a losing battle and so they end up focusing on defending humanity from c- creatures like elves from other dimensions in times and, and worlds and so forth uh, existential threats that pe- people will never understand or really know about and they will never get th- our, our protagonists will never actually get thanked for uh, but that's part of the whole human uh, comedy and tragedy and um, and so uh, hopefully that set up a bit of what is going on in The Witcher pod, um, the, the Witcher commentary. Um, a lot of this, of course, is going to talk about why the books, in my opinion, are, are so revolutionary and the video games and supplementing and expanding the books, especially The Witcher 3, which was on all systems and consoles and was the game of the year almost unanimously in 2015 and is still being played. It still looks amazing and you can put hundreds of hours in i.e. I've put hundreds of hours in uh, to The Witcher and still have fun and find amazing world building. And they're working in a lot of fighting and aesthetics from the game because the books are a lot of talking, the way Game of Thrones is. I just happen to think the books do the dialogue and the plot, political plotting much better than Game of Thrones. Especially because, again, we're focused on a small number of characters As opposed to the huge, bloated cast um, And way too complicated, you know, Phantom Menace-esque uh, Political machinations of, uh, of Game of Thrones Yes, I just compared Game of Thrones to the Star Wars prequels um, But politics are part of it And the violence is brutal but beautiful um, As I'll talk about in sort of a Tarantino-esque way Um... You think Kill Bill in medieval times uh I was going to say slightly less comical uh but that's up for debate depending on what you think is is dark humor and what's just dark um and of course Siri who it's all about ultimately and they're introducing her while they're starting the books in the in sort of the short story quote unquote prequels that were written first and not the Siri saga, Siri pentology starting with Blood of Elves ending with Lady of the Lake um uh, that's the sort of big epic five Book classic fantasy series centered around the sort of messiah character, Siri, who again is like Ray or Luke Skywalker, but much more complicated. Um, but they're starting with the earlier books because we got introduced to the four main characters: Geralt the Witcher, his uh, stormy and but passionate lover uh, Yennefer, the, the most or one of the most powerful sorceresses or enchantresses, certainly one of the most complicated uh, in in the world. Um, who abuses uh, the Geralt, uh, but loves him, and he's absolutely infatuated with her, and they become the adoptive parents of Siri, and of course, the crazy Uncle Dandelion, the air- lovably annoying and arrogant, but unbelievably loyal, funny, humanistic, and of course, brilliantly musical bard, uh, uh, and the four of them is what it's ultimately about, so... Um, I uh, I'm calling this why The Witcher on Netflix is going to change TV forever, or <laughs> less dramatically, you know why it's going to uh, um change, uh, radically change st- epic streaming television in the n- at least the near future with uh, repercussions and-, and resonances further into the future, both fantasy and just epic uh, streaming, serialized streaming in-, in general. A lot of it's going to be about the fact that it's because they're being so loyal to the books, and the books are revolutionary. Even though it seems like a lot of talking, uh, there is like, I, I-, I hope I've started to point out, unbelievably strong political, religious, um, moralistic, humanistic themes in it. And that's what's going to make it interesting. And you add some great action um, and fantasy and magic and so forth. uh, and What's a aesthetically dark setting, but with a lot of warmth and heart with the main characters and even some of the common folk. You need some of the common folk to be good and resist all the evil around them. Um, And That's being forced on them Ultimately And so Like in the Terry Pratchett books You know They're not This isn't a comedy Like Terry Pratchett But In the end Our main characters Are super powerful And the ones Moving things Hopefully in the right direction They need some of the Common folk To be behind them Which is ultimately A cautiously Optimistic message So I hope you join me On this journey For why The Witcher on Netflix Is going to change Television Forever And we are going to to start with Game of Thrones. Here we go. Alright guys, here we go. Game of Thrones. We need to talk about this first for a lot of reasons. The Witcher is inevitably going to be compared to Game of Thrones. It is the first major fantasy epic, obviously, since Game of Thrones. It hasn't been that long. People are, quote-unquote, still recovering from the supposed trauma of the hatred of the last season, and particularly the last few episodes. I've been very clear that I'm a fan of the last season, and particularly the last few episodes, the way I love season one way more than people do, and the the ratings online don't really go up uh, until season two. I happen to think season one is the best because of <clears throat> the focus on the Starks um, And just the build up of everything And things, you know, do end up Horribly, spoiler alert, with the Beheading of Sean Bean The takeover by the Lannisters The death of the king And so forth, the beginning of all the horribleness Arya on the run, Sansa Prisoner and in, in the castle Forced into a marriage with a horrible uh, ch- uh, g- g- Young king uh, Joffrey uh, Who's a son of incest Even the though they pretend it's the son of the king you guys know the story most of you guys have probably seen game of thrones i don't need to recap it not only is the witcher the first major fantasy epic since game of thrones but arguably it's only the second major epic fantasy series ever on television just as, you know, while there have been a lot of cheesy um or at least low-budget fantasy movies in the past, Lord of the Rings was the first major multi-movie fantasy series. Uh, Which is not surprising that it eventually Happened, it might be surprising to some Including me, how good it was On many levels Um, uh, And it took Longer than it probably should have But, you know, Tolkien is agreed upon To be um, either the best And or the originator Of modern fantasy It's not debatable um, Or at least it's not debatable That's the perception Um, I tend to think it's not debatable um, But I'm willing to entertain the notion that it's at least partially perception because Tolkien was drawing from a ton of folklore of Scandinavia Old England, Germanic uh, folk uh, myths and tales and and, and so forth Um, and uh, you know he created all these languages based on Finland and Iceland and Germanic and you know Old English and and so forth Um, and he's very open about it and about his influences Um, and you know I'm of the school that no art is truly original. It's impossible to not be influenced. And, you know, while there must have been a, a first artist, I guess, uh, you know, like the... uh what do they call it, the evolutionary Eve, you know, like the first uh, uh, modern human that led to all modern humanity, maybe there was a first artist, but since then, if that happened, everything is some level of derivative, I don't care if you're a modern artist, you're fucking Jackson Pollock, Banksy, or whatever, it all is coming from previous art. And Game of Thrones, obviously, is derivative from other fantasy, which is derivative from Lord of the Rings, which is derivative from, again, ancient myths uh, from Europe, England, Scandinavia, and so forth. Um, So, I don't need to go into the history of all that, um, because you guys either know it explicitly or implicitly that that's the case. Um, And... You know Game of Thrones uh, so the, uh, arguably um, i don 't have the numbers, but because of the length and the popularity worldwide I, I think it 's the the most um, profitable show period of all time. Um, ...and what's interesting about Game of Thrones... ...there's so much that's interesting... ...and, you know... ...if, uh, if, if, if you haven't listened to a lot of my podcast, I, ...I've been extremely critical... ...of Game of Thrones... ...over the years... ...even though I really like Season 1... ...I like Season 2... ...by the end of Season 3 with the Red Wedding... ...and just how horrible things were getting... ...by the time I got to Season 4... ...I mostly was out... ...even though I watched at least some episodes of all the seasons... ...I saw some of the most... Uh, uh, cl- ...sort of classic or iconic episodes, and was following it, as I mentioned in the first part, huge fan of the cast, and I'm going to talk about the many positives of Game of Thrones, and the many problems of Game of Thrones, but Witcher, again, being the first major fantasy epic since Game of Thrones, and like I said, arguably the second ever on television, hopefully, while it may not make the money of Game of Thrones or even reach the popularity of it uh, for numerous reasons. It's has a massive budget of itself it is from a, a, a property that is not only, in my uh, opinion, both subjectively and objectively much better uh, material uh, from in terms of the books. It's also much more complete. And then you add the video games and the fact that it started you know being written by Andrzej Sapkowski in the 90s. Uh, but as I've stressed on and off mic, you know, for me the Mount Rushmore, even though I haven't read the Harry Potter uh, books extensively and I haven't seen all the movies. I do like the Harry Potter movies. I'm very aware of how great J.K. Rowling is and how important Harry Potter is. Obviously, I'm a massive Tolkien fan who's read Lord of the Rings many times. I've read part of the Silmarillion and the other histories. I've seen the movies a ton of times. I've listened to all the commentaries. I've read books about uh, Tolkien himself, biographies. I've read books about the philosophy of Tolkien, the influences of Tolkien, and so forth. I wouldn't call myself a Tolkien scholar like you know Stephen Colbert, for example, who, like, knows the entire history by heart of Lord of the Rings, and there's a lot of people out there, famous and anonymous, who know a lot more than me, and have read more than me, Um, but in terms of the average person, uh, you know, let me put it this way, I'm well above average in both my love, experience, and knowledge of Lord of the Rings, and so that is for sure going to come up in my discussion of Game of Thrones, as well as The Witcher. But... As being pointed out by people who have already seen some or all of The Witcher in the press, um, uh, it, just as an example, um, Bizzlecast contributor and buddy of mine, Alistair Leith, uh, Leith, 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 uh, from, uh, uh, Australia, who's been on the Bizzlecast numerous times, who I love having on the podcast, and we talk online a lot. Australia tends to get everything early, and because he's way more officially part of the media than I am, and does it full time, uh, and so he's got the media pl- pass. Plus, uh, you know, it, the uh, access to the stuff way early. He got Disney Plus early, and he, you know, he gets everything early. And he got The Witcher early. He's already seen it at least half of it. Is raving about it. He's a fan. Of the property like me. Now, he didn't start reading the books um, until the series uh, was getting closer, and I you know, was constantly beseeching. Beseeching? Uh, I was constantly trying to get him to read the books because he loves the games and he loves the property and the characters. And I was like, look, the books are amazing, and the audiobooks in particular are incredible. Um, and you just, you gotta read the books. At least the first couple. Uh, uh, last wish and in sort of destiny that set up the major characters: Geralt of Rivia, the titular character of The Witcher, uh, The Witcher himself, Geralt, uh, his <laughs> on and off lover and super powerful sorceress enchantress, Yennefer of Vengerberg, uh, the, the lovable, arrogant, super talented, and very important and loyal, um, and famous bard, uh, Dandelion, who is um not only going to be arguably more important and in more things and more scenes uh from what we can tell um in uh the series but they are writing entire songs um uh, for him to perform in the series music is going to be a huge part and is going to be a major selling point and they've already released um the first major song that he's going to perform i think in the second or third episode uh called um uh, uh what's it called? Um, give a coin to the witcher or throw to your witcher or throw a coin uh, to your witcher um, and it's actually about their first adventure together at the edge of the world, which he mentions um in uh in the song the, the edge of the world um and specifically their first major you know uh danger that they went through together um and while Dandelion is known for overstressing as many you know musicians and uh or I should say you know troubadours and bards in the old school do overstressing his role in things he absolutely while well, he argues with Geralt constantly and they argue with each other constantly and they disagree constantly in the end, they end up defending each other, and they do love each other deep down, in sort of the way that guys do, uh, they don't say it, um, but he's, he's Geralt's best friend, and important travel companion for Geralt, who other than his love of Yennefer, and I forgot to mention, uh, the fourth major character, Ciri, who it's ultimately about in the major, uh, books in the Ciri Pentology, or the Ciri Saga, and is the Luke Skywalker Ray, you know, Messiah character, um, although much more complicated and deep character because of, you know, the, the time they have in the books and just the sort of more complex, uh, moral, political, um, narrative, uh, thematic, um, stuff that's going on, uh, in, in the Witcher books. Um, I love Star Wars. I love Lord of the Rings, but you know, Aragorn and pretty much all the major characters, um, other than I, I think Sam, uh, Samwise Gamgee, um, you know, the best buddy and, you know, kind of savor, Frodo, the ring bear, um, and Gandalf, um, who are dimensional uh, in the books, you know, Gimli, Legolas, Aragorn, all the characters we love, the dwarves, you know, the dwarf, the elf, the, you know, the powerful good humans, they're pretty one, one and a half, at best two-dimensional, <clears throat> and, If you've only seen the movies or you haven't read the books in a while and then you see Viggo Mortensen playing Aragorn and, you know, uh, other major actors playing the other major characters of the Fellowship. And you know A.O.N. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and uh and you know other major characters: um, Faramir, uh, Boromir, uh, Denethor, the crazy father uh, of Gondor, of, of Faramir, and Bo- uh, the father of Boromir and Faramir, who's totally nuts, uh But is the steward of Gondor as a major character? They are all way more dimensional and complicated in the movie, which you have to do. Um, and so, like I was trying to get to, if you if you haven't read the books and have just seen Lord of the Rings, uh, or you haven't read it since you were a kid and in your mind, you know, the Lord of the Rings that you, uh, sort of remember or experience at this point, you know, you might think that, uh, or assume that the characters are fully three dimensional in the books like they are in the movies in my opinion, but again, that's not really the case and it's not really what the book is about, um, but again, when you're trying to make great movies that appeal to people, and have awesome emotional and narrative arcs, you have to make the characters more dimensional, especially when you have an amazing cast um, of uh, b- both famous and, you know, uh, breakout. Um, uh, uh, actors in in, in epics um, like the Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, you have to have that complexity, but even so, the characters in the book of the Witcher are, are even way more complex than the, than the portrayals of the main characters of the Lord of the Rings in the movie, as described, um, and because they're sticking so closely uh, to the Witcher books, it's not going to be a stretch to bring those, the complexity of those characters on screen, uh, meaning they don't have to work that hard to, you know, to show how brilliant, but kind of crazy and, you know, uber complicated and kind of a confounding, you know, Yennefer is and the fact that Geralt seems kind of dull and doesn't talk a lot and he's kind of lonely, but that's why he needs Dandelion to accompany him. Despite their fights and disagreements, he needs the buddy on the road. Uh, I'm, you know, Siri is, it, 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 is, you know, her powers are so great, uh, but also kind of ambiguous, and you don't know where it's going you add the fact that she's had so much trauma and doesn't know how to deal with things and doesn't know who to trust other than Geralt uh, who she worships as a father figure and as she says her destiny um, which you know I may get to later in this podcast or talking in another podcast um, that in the uh, in sort of destiny where Ciri is introduced uh, there's sort of a prophecy that's partially um, engaged uh, or I should say catalyzed before Ciri even born, almost accidentally By Geralt, Uh, but, you know, like Many prophecies um, uh, Prophecies, and Dune You know, is the ultimate and best example Of this, prophecies are Often created for selfish Reasons, selfish goals You know, uh, political reasons, religious Reasons, but they take on a life Of their own, and whether the prophecies Are fulfilled Or manifested the way That they're intended to They take on a life of their own, and, and you never know where it's going. And so while Geralt like I said sort of accidentally um uh um uh, set forth uh the, the prophecy that led to Siri um thinking and acting um, from the Sword of Destiny on through the books uh, th- that the Sword of Destiny is not actually about a sword. The sword is a metaphor for Geralt, who carries big swords and is excellent at fighting and killing with with swords. He's the Sword of Destiny, and he's the destiny of Siri or so Siri says. Um, again, it's so multidimensional, and you can look at it in so many ways. Really, Siri is the destiny of, of Geralt um, and um, while I will discuss sort of the general uh, 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 factors uh, um, uh, that um, flesh out um, what I've been talking about in this part two, and I am getting to Game of Thrones, which I promise would be in part two. Uh, but this is important to set it up. I I don't want to spoil the later books. I kind of have to talk about the first couple books in the first season. Um, I, but I won't r- reveal any major spoilers. Um, but I have to, you know, uh, at least put on the table, uh, the sort of general direction, um, and sort of the momentum of the prophecy, um, or prophecies and destinies. Um, in the books to understand what is going on and what distinguishes it from Game of Thrones. So, okay, back to Game of Thrones. So, I'm going to work backwards in Game of Thrones. uh, Partially because like the first season, I, I was one of the only ones who really liked the final season and thought it was incredibly artistic and much deeper, more interesting, more engaging, and, you know, more optimistic and hopeful than all the suffering, rape, and disgusting things uh, uh, that happened to the, uh, the many uh, good gay characters who were killed or suffered um, or raped or, you know, otherwise taken advantage of, uh, tortured, etc. in the middle. Middle seasons, so it starts with the Starks seemingly in control of the North, in control of their own destiny. That changes quickly, um, and it's not till the final episode when you know all of a sudden the the, the remaining Starks are kind of more than you think are, are left, and they end up winning um, and getting back in charge of the whole kingdom, not just the North where where they, deri- where they um, uh, derive from, uh, you know, Hail. From From, but you know, take over the kingdom, which needed to happen the whole time because they're the only family that has true moral compass. And while Bran Stark, you know, becomes the king, um, you know, Sophie Turner's uh, character Sansa Stark, um, Maisie Williams' character Arya Stark are equally powerful. And you know, as it's hinted or you know said straight up, along with Peter Dinklage's character uh, Tyrion Lannister are going to rebuild the kingdom after all the horribleness that the Lannisters and really all the other families, the Greyjoys and so forth um, all the horribleness that they caused um, and and affected uh, and the Starks are going to have to rebuild um, and it's a very hopeful ending, but I don't believe that people are upset necessarily on the surface because of the hopeful ending and kind of you know, happy ending in a way, at least in comparison to, again, all the suffering and horribleness in the middle seasons. I have a lot of theories, um, uh, some of which are obvious and and easily supported, some of which are a little more of a reach as to why people who loved Game of Thrones all the way through, and then all of a sudden were alienated, or I should say, in my opinion, alienated themselves mentally, uh, with what happened in the final season with Daenerys, um, uh Tar- uh Targaryen, uh Khaleesi, um and uh you know, and, 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 you know the fact that the Starks, you know, all of a sudden come back into power, as described, and you know all the events, which I will talk about more. But as I was getting to, I want I want to sort of work, sort of uh, both from the beginning and from the end, not only because I prefer the first and last seasons over any of the other seasons, uh, for some related and some different reasons, um, but because if you if you watch the first season closely, really what what happens with the good guys. In bad guys and, and, you know, the good guys that become bad guys, like Daenerys or the people who seem like bad guys or are from bad families like Tyrion, the horrible Lannisters who end up becoming major good guys and are going to be part of the rebuilding process with, with the Starks. Um, uh, and there are, there are great emotional arcs, and I want to just say right now that for me, um, it has nothing to do with the fantasy or the costumes or the lackluster action or the great sets or whatever that uh, uh, is, is something major. None of those are things that are majorly Uh, Things that attracted me Or things that I love or even like About the series but the actors Are incredible Um, and many Of them are are veteran actors Old and young um, Who you know elevated uh, Material that was Often not great uh, Or or not Appealing to someone like me Um, But across the board the actors are amazing And there's also a lot of young actors like Sophie Turner um, and Maisie Williams As mentioned you know a of the Starks, um, uh, Kit Harrington, who played Jon Snow, Richard Madden, who played R- Rob Stark. A lot of young actors um, who, um, who were breakouts and are now um, to various levels, either famous or just, you know, given a lot of opportunities to do great things. So, the actors in general for me was the biggest highlight and the biggest reason um, to watch Game of Thrones and engage in it, even if I didn't like a lot of things, big picture and sm- small and big picture, uh, about it, the, the actors w- were highlights. In the Witcher is going to succeed because they have great actors as well, which I will talk about but before I talk about the first season and the last season to describe uh, uh, why um, uh, Game of Thrones started strong in my opinion, again, I'll stop saying in my opinion, this is all my opinion Game of Thrones started extremely strong and uh, uh, was uh, you know, a fantasy series that I not only could get behind, but I thought it was going to be one of my favorite properties out there because as I've said, fantasy when it's done, great, it is my favorite genre, um, it just in terms of the volume that that I read um, and engage in and um, it, it, that did not turn out to be the case, but it was somewhat saved by the final season uh, and it was actually a, a series as as I was uh, mentioning and getting to that people who loved the whole thing suddenly were alienated, and suddenly the double ds as they 're called uh, you know the main two uh, executive producers uh, and showrunners you know who were worshipped by Game of Thrones mega fans. Or even casual fans, whether they knew them by name or not, all of a sudden were being criticized, you know, uh, to various levels, uh, that were, I think, both unfair and misguided and they were supposed to do a Star Wars trilogy, and all of a sudden, they were not doing a Star Wars trilogy, and Star Wars fans are happy, because Star Wars fans tend to not like Game of Thrones, because you know, the, uh, while Star Wars can be very dark, and and, and violent, and uh, even disturbing at times, you know, it is ultimately a super optimistic view that the good guys generally win in the end, despite the suffering, um, which, until uh, the final season of Game of Thrones, did not seem to be the case. Um, and just to tease it you know the main reason I I think people weren't dissatisfied with the end of Game of Thrones was they assumed that the horribleness was going to continue and it was not going to be a happy ending but on top of that I think you know people Game of Thrones is the ultimate guilty pleasure with the sex and the nudity and the violence and, and you know the delicious bad guys and so forth and I think consciously or mostly Subconsciously Not only did people assume And even want A a not happy ending I think there was a a, a Buyer's remorse So to speak Or or even Sort of regret And guilt Over liking uh, The horribleness Of Game of Thrones Or what happened In Game of Thrones uh, Because I don't want to say The series is horrible Even I don't think that uh, Even though I went in and out And had lots of problems uh, But the terrible things That happened in the series I think there was Buyer's remorse about it, um, and whether people want to admit it, acknowledge it to themselves or other people, or vocalize it. I think that was a big part of it. And all of a sudden, that the Starks, uh, you know, uh, uh, end up being back in charge. Tyrion Lannister who's you know, one of the only non-Stark who's, who's really a good guy with a great heart. Is, you know, the 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 chief advisor and head of the council at the end. And they're going to rebuild. And it's kind of a happy ending. I'm not going to call it Disney ending, but it was a relatively happy ending. Um, But again, I don't think it was the happy ending In particular That turned off people and they, you know, many people said they just didn't like the direction, um, and events and, you know, performances or writing or whatever the last season. I found it, you know, as I said, to be some of the strongest character stuff, writing, direction, um, and I think they had a very clear picture that they wanted to end it in this way, whether it was George R. R. Martin or the Double D's or both or whatever. Um, that's what I think they always wanted to get to. And while eight or nine seasons have came, thrones was very excessive um it, it, i think that the the very very end was in their mind the whole time and uh, the negative response shocked me uh so the negative response in the end, to the final season particularly the last few episodes and the last episode the extremely negative response uh shocked me for a lot of reasons some of which i mentioned some of which I, I will probably get to at some point in this section or another section um but it must have really shocked The the Double D's The executive producers The main writers uh, And uh, of course George R. R. Martin Who who wrote a number of the books And and ended up Stop writing the books To the chagrin of people Who love the books As much or more Than the television series And focus completely on Uh the, t- the television series And not the books um, Which is actually something that I, I think Was a good decision uh, Even if I didn't like where it went in a lot of ways But you know considering how much money It made and that the, the popularity of the books was even Far uh, uh, um, uh, uh um, overshadowed uh, by the success and popularity of the TV series, and so it was not a bad decision, or at least an understandable decision for Martin to focus on the TV, and he just didn't have time to write the books, or didn't have the motivation, or maybe didn't have the imagination himself. And it is possible the executive producers and the writers were the ones who guided it to the end, uh, despite you know fewer episodes, more time in between the seasons, and too many seasons, etc., uh, etc. Et um, it, you know, but if they condensed the seasons, even if it was the same amount of episodes, you know, I I, I don't think it was an excessive number of episodes is what I'm getting to. I, but it was a mistake to extend it so long in terms of the number of seasons and just the time and the years. But because actors like Amelia Clark, Peter Dinklage, the main characters, the Starks, again, who were mostly young actors who weren't well-known but then started getting lots of roles, but especially, you know, bi- Big name actors who get big roles like Sophie Turner, Amelia Clark, Peter Dinklage, um, and others working around their film schedule with the ginormous, as I said, bloated, overly bloated, overly big cast, which is one of my arguments for for why The Witcher is going to be superior, is the smaller main cast. And we're really going to get to know the characters and the relationships of the smaller main cast, which was not really which is not really possible in, in Game of Thrones but there were dozens and dozens and dozens of people um, and, you know even if, uh, people who are following Game of Thrones closely I must have lost track of the sec- the secondary and tertiary characters or at least their names even if they could follow it that's not going to be the case in The Witcher because while there's only four or five or six main characters and there's a dozen or dozen and a half secondary characters they're in it a lot they interact a lot they're very distinct, um, and, and so people are going to get to know those characters, understand those characters, remember them, um, and recognize them in a way that just wasn't possible the way Game of Thrones was set up uh, with the ginormous cast. Um, and, and so that will be a strength of The Witcher. So, okay, I keep saying I'm going to talk about the first and last season of Game of Thrones. However, I must first. <clears throat> Um, talk about why it's unfair uh, to compare The Witcher to Game of Thrones even though it's already happening it's going to keep happening as the two major fantasy series in the modern age on television and maybe of all time um, or ever I should say Uh, but but both the books and what we're going to see in the show which is very close to the books I mean, it's going to be loyal to a extreme degree. Although the video games will be a big part of it too, both in terms of the aesthetics and the action and the optics, as well as some of the great storytelling that came out of the games. Um, Even though, side note, there's some controversy about whether Andrzej Sapkowski uh, really liked the games. If you play them, especially The Witcher 3, which, as previously mentioned, was not only the unanimous game of the year um, in 2015 on all major computer systems and console systems, uh, but is considered one of the best um, action RPGs of all time in terms of gameplay and in terms of story, it is, you know, almost inarguably the best action RPG of all time or at least in the modern age of video gaming. And the portrayal of Geralt, the action, which is not that present, actually, in the books, which is a lot of dialogue, world building, character building, um, they're going to draw a lot of the aesthetics and the action um, and, and the sort of epic set pieces and so forth uh, from the video game. They, they need to to make it you know as epic and entertaining as it needs to be. Um, but... There's a number of reasons that, as mentioned a couple minutes ago, it's unfair to compare um, uh, uh, Witcher to Game of Thrones.